Chapter Two, Section Nine of the Greek View of Life by Goldsworthy Lowes Dickinson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Chapter Two, Section Nine, Sparta. The preceding attempt at a general sketch of the nature of the Greek state is inevitably loose and misleading to this extent that it endeavours to comprehend in a single view polities of the most varied and discrepant character to remedy so far as may be this defect to give an impression more definite and more complete of the variety and scope of the political experience of the greeks let us examine a little more in detail the character of the two states which were at once the most prominent and the most opposed in their achievement and their aim the state of sparta on the one hand and that of athens on the other it was these two states that divided the hegemony of greece they represent the extremes of the two forms oligarchy and democracy under which as we saw the greek polities fall and from a sufficient acquaintance with them we may gather a fairly complete idea of the whole range of greek political life in sparta we see one extreme of the political development of greece and the one which approaches nearest perhaps to the characteristic greek type of that type it is true it was an exaggeration and was recognized as such by the best thinkers of greece but just for that reason it is the more interesting and instructive as an exhibition of a distinctive aspect of greek civilization the spartan state was composed of a small body of citizens the spartiatai or spartans proper encamped in the middle of a hostile population to whom they allowed no political rights and by whose labour they were supplied with the necessaries of life the distinction between the citizen class on the one hand and the productive class on the other was thus as clearly and sharply drawn as possible it was even exaggerated for the citizens were a band of conquerors the productive class a subject race perpetually on the verge of insurrection and only kept in restraint by such measures as secret assassination the result was to draw together the small band of spartiatai into a discipline so rigorous and close that under it everything was sacrificed to the necessity of self-preservation and the bare maintenance of the state became the end for which every individual was born and lived and died this discipline according to tradition 
had been devised by a single legislator lycurgus and it was maintained intact for several centuries its main features may be summarized as follows the production and rearing of children to begin at the beginning instead of being left to the caprice of individuals was controlled and regulated by the state the women in the first place were trained by physical exercise for the healthy performance of the duties of motherhood they were taught to run and wrestle naked like the youths to dance and sing in public and to associate freely with men marriage was permitted only in the prime of life and a free intercourse outside its limits between healthy men and women was encouraged and approved by public opinion men who did not marry were subject to social and civic disabilities the children as soon as they were born were submitted to the inspection of the elders of their tribe if strong and well formed they were reared if not they were allowed to die a healthy stock having been thus provided as a basis every attention was devoted to its appropriate training the infants were encouraged from the beginning in the free use of their limbs unhampered by swaddling clothes and were accustomed to endure without fear darkness and solitude and to cure themselves of peevishness and crying at the age of seven the boys were taken away from the charge of their parents and put under the superintendence of a public official their education on the intellectual side was slight enough comprising only such rudiments as reading and writing but on the moral side it was stringent and severe gathered into groups under the direction of elder youths monitors we might call them they were trained to a discipline of iron endurance one garment served them for the whole year they went without shoes and slept on beds of rushes plucked with their own hands their food was simple and often enough they had to go without it every moment of the day they were under inspection and supervision for it was the privilege and the duty of every citizen to admonish and punish not only his own but other people's children at supper they waited at table on their elders answered their questions and endured their jests in the streets they were taught to walk in silence their hands folded in their cloaks their eyes cast down their heads never turning to right or left their gymnastic and military training was incessant wherever they met we are told they began to box 
under the condition however that they were bound to separate at the command of any bystander to accustom them early to the hardships of a campaign they were taught to steal their food from the mess-tables of their elders if they were detected they were beaten for their clumsiness and went without their dinner nothing was omitted on the moral or physical side to make them efficient members of a military state nor was the discipline relaxed when they reached years of maturity for in fact the whole city was a camp family life was obliterated by public activity the men dined together in messes rich and poor alike sharing the same coarse and simple food servants dogs and horses were regarded as common property luxury was strictly forbidden the only currency in circulation was of iron so cumbrous that it was impossible to accumulate or conceal it the houses were as simple as possible the roofs shaped only with the axe and the doors with the saw the furniture and fittings corresponded plain but perfectly made the nature of the currency practically prohibited commerce and no citizen was allowed to be engaged in any mechanical trade agriculture was the main industry and every spartan had or was supposed to have a landed estate cultivated by serfs who paid him a yearly rent in complete accordance with the greek ideal it was a society of soldier citizens supported by an inferior productive class in illustration of this point the following curious anecdote may be quoted from plutarch during one of the wars in which sparta and her allies were engaged the allies complained that they who were the majority of the army had been forced into a quarrel which concerned nobody but the spartans whereupon agesileus the spartan king devised this expedient to show the allies were not the greater number he gave orders that all the allies of whatever country should sit down promiscuously on one side and all the lacedaemonians on the other which being done he commanded a herald to proclaim that all the potters of both divisions should stand out then all the blacksmiths then all the masons next the carpenters and so he went through all the handicrafts by this time almost all the allies were risen but of the lacedaemonians not a man they being by law forbidden to learn any mechanical business and now agesileus laughed and said you see my friends how many more soldiers we send out than you do 
and certainly so far as its immediate ends were concerned this society of soldier citizens was singularly successful the courage and efficiency of spartan troops were notorious and were maintained indeed not only by the training we have described but by social penalties attached to cowardice a man who had disgraced himself in battle was a pariah in his native land no one would eat with him no one would wrestle with him in the dance he must take the lowest place he must give the wall at meetings in the street and resign his seat even to younger men he must dress and bear himself humbly under penalty of blows and suffer the reproaches of women and of boys death plainly would be preferable to such a life and we are not surprised to hear that the discipline and valour of spartan troops was celebrated far and wide here is a description of them given by one of themselves to the persian king when he was projecting the invasion of greece brave are all the greeks who dwell in any dorian land but what i am about to say does not concern all but only the lacedaemonians first then come what may they will never accept thy terms which would reduce greece to slavery and further they are sure to join battle with thee though all the rest of greece should submit to thy will as for their numbers do not ask how many they are that their resistance should be a possible thing for if a thousand of them should take the field they will meet thee in battle and so will any number be it less than this or be it more when they fight singly they are as good men as any in the world and when they fight in a body they are the bravest of all for though they be free men they are not in all respects free law is the master whom they own and this master they fear more than thy subjects fear thee whatever he commands they do and his commandment is always the same it forbids them to flee in battle whatever the number of their foes and requires them to stand firm and either to conquer or die the practical illustration of this speech is the battle of thermopylae where three hundred spartans kept at bay the whole persian host till they were betrayed from the rear and killed fighting to a man the spartan state then justified itself according to its own ideal but how limited that ideal was will be clear from our sketch the individual even if it cannot be said that he was sacrificed to the state for he recognized the life of the state as his own was at any rate starved upon one side of his nature as much as he was hypertrophied upon the other 
courage obedience and endurance were developed in excess but the free play of passion and thought the graces and arts of life all that springs from the spontaneity of nature were crushed out of existence under this stern and rigid rule none of them says plutarch an enthusiastic admirer of the spartan polity none of them was left alone to live as he chose but passing their time in the city as though it were a camp their manner of life and their avocations ordered with a view to the public good they regarded themselves as belonging not to themselves but to their country and plato whose ideal republic was based so largely upon the spartan model as marked nevertheless as the essential defect of their polity its insistence on military virtue to the exclusion of everything else and its excessive accentuation of the corporate aspect of life your military way of life he says is modelled after the camp and is not like that of dwellers in cities and you have your young men herding and feeding together like young colts no one takes his own individual colt and drags him away from his fellows against his will raging and foaming and gives him a groom for him alone and trains and rubs him down privately and gives him the qualities in education which will make him not only a good soldier but also a governor of a state and of cities such a one would be a greater warrior than he of whom tyrteus sings and he would honour courage everywhere but always as the fourth and not as the first part of virtue either in individuals or states the spartan state in fact by virtue of that excellence which was also its defect the specialising of the individual on the side of discipline and rule carried within it the seeds of its own destruction the tendencies which lycurgus had endeavoured to repress by external regulation reasserted themselves in his despite he had intended once for all both to limit and to equalise private property but already as early as the fifth century spartans had accumulated gold which they deposited in temples in foreign states the land fell by inheritance and gift into the hands of a small minority the number of the citizens was reduced not only by war but by the disfranchisement attending inability to contribute to the common mess-tables till at last we find no more than seven hundred spartan families and of these no more than one hundred possessing estates in land 
and this decline from within was hastened by external events the constitution devised for a small state encamped amidst a hostile population broke down under the weight of imperial power the conquest of athens by sparta was the signal of her own collapse the power and wealth she had won at a stroke alienated her sons from her discipline generals and statesmen who had governed like kings the wealthy cities of the east were unable to adapt themselves again to the stern and narrow rules of lycurgus they rushed into freedom and enjoyment into the unfettered use of their powers with an energy proportional to the previous restraint the features of the human face broke through the fair but lifeless mask of ancient law and the spartan ceasing to be a spartan both rose and fell to the level of a man end of chapter two section nine Recording by Martin Geeson in Hazelmere, Surrey.